Well, hey, friend. How are you? I hope you're having a wonderful day. What have you been up to lately? Have you read any good books? I recently finished Matthew Perry's book, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. And let me just tell you, I initially was not inclined to read this book, even after, you know, we found out that he passed away, which of course was super sad. And the show Friends has always held kind of a special place in my heart, as I know it has for many people. But, you know, whenever I think about that show, I think about my college roommate and how she loved that show so much. And I loved it too, but not as much as her. <laughs> she loved it so much. And she had, you know, the box set on VHS. Ooh, yes, that's dating. And she would love to just like fall asleep watching Friends. And so I saw those episodes over and over and over again. But anyway, I, even even with all that backstory, I was not really all that inclined to read Matthew Perry's book, even after he passed away. And then someone I tr really trust was like, you should read it. Like, it's it's actually really poignant, really good. So, you know, having some extra credits on Audible, I thought, all right, let's, I'll, I'll grab it. Side note, I love grabbing books on Audible if it's read by the author, but especially if it's someone that is an actor. And I really, really enjoyed it. As I was reading it, one of the things that came to mind was the book of Ecclesiastes in the Bible and just how King Solomon, you know, he has all this money and he has all this prestige and he has access to all these women. And, and he, you know, he literally could have anything that he wants. And he comes to a point where he just recognizes that it's all vanity. And that's not what creates a fulfilled life. One of the main themes of the book is Matthew Perry talking about how all the fame and all the fortune and reaching all your goals doesn't fill the hole that you have inside of you. As I'm sure you may know, Matthew Perry struggled with addiction. And so that was another big theme of the book. And a lot of these things, the things he wanted to accomplish in his life and also, you know, his addictions, it made me think about desire. I recently heard, I can't even remember where. But I heard that in Latin, desire means of the father, right? De meaning of the, and sire meaning father. So of the father. As many of you know, I believe that God puts desires in our hearts of things that he wants to accomplish through us. But I think we have to be careful because not every desire we have is from God. Sometimes we have goals and ambitions that are not aligned with what God wants for our lives. Sometimes we have desires of the flesh, right? And so it made me think about how important it is for us to distinguish those desires that are in us that are of the Father and the desires in us that are of the flesh. And in Matthew Perry's book, I believe you can see both of those and where they lead and the fruit that they produce. Now, the book spends way more time on desires of the flesh, but it is a good read and I would recommend it. Speaking of desire, are you wanting to start a new routine? Maybe you even would go as far as to say that you need a new routine. Maybe it's a new morning routine. Maybe it's a new work routine. Maybe it's a new cleaning routine. I don't know what it is. But if you need a new routine, this episode is for you because I'm sharing five mistakes that keep you from creating good habits and good routines. Let's do it. Welcome to Fruition Mindset, where it's all about mindset coaching for Christian entrepreneurs. 
Ever feel like life is passing you by? Do you want to have a purposeful business that lights you up? Do you keep procrastinating and putting your dreams on the back burner? When I wanted to start my first business over 10 years ago, I was the same way. It didn't matter how many letters I had behind my name or what my credentials were, I never felt ready or qualified. After I had a session with a coach that totally shifted my perspective, everything changed for me. Hi, I'm Kayla Eggenberger, wife, mama, mindset coach, and daughter of the king. And I'm here to tell you that your breakthrough is on the other side of letting go of fear and perfectionism and stepping into who God has created you to be and where he's calling you to go. On this podcast, you'll learn how to renew your mind, get clarity on your purpose, and make confident decisions so you can walk out your faith with focus and consistency to finally create the freedom you want in your life and business. If you're ready to develop the mindset you need to take the dreams God has laid on your heart and bring them into fruition, you are in the right place. So fill up your favorite mug, grab your journal, and get ready to take some thoughts captive. So routines and I have a love-hate relationship. I love them because once I get them established, they really help me run my life. I hate them because whenever I break them, it can create some havoc, and I find it difficult to create them. So most of what I'm sharing today is coming from experience. Let's start with mistake number one. Mistake number one, when you're trying to create a new routine or create a good habit, is making it too complicated or too many steps. So I don't know if you've ever done this, but what I like to do is I like to be like, okay, I'm going to start this new morning routine. And I think of all these things I'm going to do. For example, The Miracle Morning. It's a small book by Hal Elrod, I believe is his name. I read it years and years and years ago. It has a great routine in there, but it's like six different things that you do and all of them take like some some time. And so, you know, I would think like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to do this morning routine every morning. You know, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to journal, I'm going to, you know, read my Bible. I'm going to, I'm trying to think about what the other things were. Yeah, I'm going to spend some quiet time in prayer. Like I'm going to do all these things. But what would end up inevitably happening is that I would do that for like a day, maybe two, and then I would crash and burn and stop doing it. I have found that a better approach, at least for me, is to pick one thing, which is very hard. Pick one thing and establish that. Do that for, you know, at least a week, right? At least a week solid. Do that one thing. And then add on something else. If you're in a place where you're thinking, man, I really need to overhaul my morning routine so that I start my day off right, can I make a suggestion? The one thing that I would recommend that you try is a tool that I created that's a five-minute morning mindset routine that helps you live more intentionally to become the person you want to be. It creates motivation by connecting your daily tasks to your greater purpose and impact, and it also deepens your relationship with God. The best part is it only takes about five minutes. Also, it's free. So just go to fruitionmindset.com forward slash morning mindset, and you can pick up your copy there. The first one and the second one are kind of alike in the, in the first one, you are, you know, making it too complicated, making it too many steps. And the second one, you're just trying to change too many things at once. So trying to change your morning routine and your cleaning routine and your work routine and your exercise routine, like basically trying to overhaul your life all at one time. This is something I have done over and over and over again with the same disappointing result, friends. Instead, just pick one area to focus on. Maybe pick the one that you feel like is the easiest to accomplish to start getting that momentum going. 
or you can pick the one that you feel like will have the most impact and make the most difference so that, you know, that will keep you inspired and increase the desire to do it. But instead of overhauling your life, just pick one area to focus on. And then within that, don't make it too complicated. Okay, that's kind of combining the two, the first two together. The third mistake is not doing a routine or a habit until you're good at it. Many times we stop doing the thing that we're trying to make routine or trying to make a habit before we get good at it. And so it's just always hard. And we have in our brains, but it's always hard. And it's just because we haven't done it long enough to get good at it. My daughter's piano teacher has something that he says when she's playing and she's practicing, he says, practice until it becomes easy. That's it. Practice until it's easy. And I think that's so important that we recognize that, oh, it's hard right now because it's new. Even if it's something as simple as making your bed in the morning, whatever it is, like it's going to be a little bit hard at first. And it may even be really hard at first, depending upon what it is, whatever habit you're trying to establish. But with practice, it becomes easy. And so I think we have to recognize that, okay, I need to put in this many reps. And once I do, it's going to become a lot easier. Maybe even think about, okay, how many times would I need to do this for it to become really easy for me? Shoot for that number of reps versus necessarily like breaking a streak. I don't know about you, but you know, some of the apps and things on your phone, they love to show you the streaks that you have. And I know even some of the Bible apps, when it comes to Bible reading, it has, you know, your streak on there. And I know that that's a good intention, right? But for some of us that have perfectionist tendencies, it can, it can cut both ways. It can be good because, oh, yes, you know, I'm excited to see my streak. Like, that's exciting to me. And I don't want to break my streak. But then whenever you break it, I don't know, there's something in me that it's like, okay, I'm done now. Like, it's really, it's really strange. I can't fully explain it, but I know that I have a tendency to do that. And so I don't want to go for streaks. I have to intentionally shift my focus to continuing on or to picking it back up after I've had a day that I missed, because that's how I keep going and stop the start, stop, start, stop, start, stop thing. The fourth mistake is not using triggers and trying to break a habit without replacing it. So years ago, I had a habit of drinking diet soda, and I wanted to break that habit. And, you know, this is no commentary on diet soda. I still have one occasionally, like this is not to demonize anything like that. But it was something that I was, I was drinking it to the exclusion of a lot of other things, right? Wasn't drinking a lot of water. It had a bit of a hold over me. And so I decided I wanted to break that habit. And I tried to break it before unsuccessfully. I was trying to stop drinking it, but I hadn't really found anything to replace it with. But this time was different because I found some recipes for some drinks that I could replace the soda with that were actually good for me and that I still enjoyed. And I really wanted to drink them. And also it was, these were new, you know, like there had a novel appeal to it at the time as well. And sure enough, I was able to break that soda habit. Even though this one isn't necessarily about creating a good habit, I think about the illustration of like the glass with the muddy water. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Or glass with dirty water, I guess is what I would say. And, you know, someone, you want to get rid of the, the dirty water. And so, yeah, you could just try to pour it out, but then you have this empty glass. And that's kind of how I felt when I was trying to break my soda habit, right? Like there's just kind of this void. But instead, if you're replacing it with a good habit, something that you are still enjoying, 
then that can be a more effective strategy. So thinking about this glass of dirty water, you know, if you just have a pitcher and you're pouring clean water into the glass of dirty water, eventually the the clean water will displace that dirty water and then you have clean water in the glass. So it's the same concept of replacing this bad habit with a good habit. And the cool thing is you basically already have a trigger, right? My trigger is wanting something to drink. And now I have a good habit surrounding that instead of a bad habit. When you replace a quote unquote bad habit with a good habit, it already has a built-in trigger, which is super helpful. And the last mistake that I have for you is going it alone. I think it's easier to create habits with friends. You know, if I have somebody else that's doing the same thing that I am, it's not necessarily even like for accountability, like they're going to ask me if I did it or whatever. They can. I mean, there can be that aspect of it, but that's not even what I mean. I just mean like it's just more fun when you're doing something with somebody else or you know that somebody else is doing the same thing as you, especially if it's something you don't want to do at the same time. I remember in my personal training days, I used to work out with my clients. And so I was working out a lot each day. But I used to work out with my clients. And one of the reasons I did that is because I just knew that having somebody else right there with you doing the same thing you are, like if we're both doing a plank, it's just more motivating. It just inspires you to do it and to keep going. There's somebody right there with you doing the plank, feeling the burn, and you're in it together. It makes you want to keep doing it more than if you were going it alone. One of the biggest blessings in my life is having a business bestie that I know is working on things whenever I'm working on things. And that, you know, we can kind of message back and forth, even though she's not even in the same country as I am, just knowing that she's working on her business makes me want to work on mine more. I don't know the psychology behind it, but I just know that that's how it is for me. Even whenever it comes to cleaning, y'all, y'all, this is going to sound wacky, but it's a thing. Have you heard of body doubling? Even whenever it comes to cleaning, body doubling helps me a lot. I'll even just turn on a YouTube video of other people cleaning. And I'm cleaning in my house and they're, I'm watching you. I mean, I'm not watching it, but I just know that it's on. Like there's somebody else cleaning. They're with me. To some, this is going to sound really crazy, this concept of body doubling. (laughs) But for some of us, especially those that have maybe some ADHD tendencies, This can be very helpful. So whenever you're starting a routine, instead of doing it all alone, find someone to do it with you or at the very least find maybe an accountability partner or even use body doubling if you can. I'm going to give you one bonus mistake and it's not recognizing that a lot of why establishing a routine or new habit is difficult is because you're unwilling to feel uncomfortable. What you're already doing, the routine that you already have, whether it's one that's intentional or not intentional, it's comfortable, right? It's what you're used to. And whenever you're starting something new, it's uncomfortable and it's going to be uncomfortable. And so leaning into those feelings of discomfort is what you have to do in order to create a new routine and a new habit. If you could use some personalized help with creating a new routine, I invite you to book an unstuck session with me. Go to fruitionmindset.com forward slash unstuck and book your spot. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and we'll talk soon. Hey, thank you so much for listening and for hanging out with me today. 
If this podcast has blessed you in some way, I would love for you to share it with a friend and leave a review on iTunes. When you leave a review, it helps the podcast grow and reach more people. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon. Mm -hmm.